1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Here's Chubb trying to pick his way inside the five, and he does. Knocked down at the three. Ball came out, but he was down. Minka Fitzpatrick gets the tackle, but a gain of five. And the last thing any Browns fan wants to see, Nick Chubb holding his left leg. Oh, boy. One of the best players in the game is being carted off, and these fans here in Pittsburgh, I mean, so classy. Fourth down and ten. This is the game for Cleveland if they want any chance. Watson, Donovan Peoples-Jones, no flags, incomplete, Steelers take over. Ian Jones makes a cut and scores from the practice squad to the end zone. What a night for Tony Jones Jr. stepping up after Jamal Williams went down. Apple for three. Round ball up the middle. Perdomo's got it. Race to the bag. And Gallon's got the shutout. Cubs might want to challenge the call at second. Play on, he says. That's the ball game. Zach Gallon's first career nine-inning complete game shutout. Alex Cobb, who has not allowed a hit. Only one base runner has reached the whole game. Now the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck it out with a splitter. Strikeout number seven for Alex Cobb. Up top of your street. Stafford. Akers will try once more. Akers. Ball pops out. The ball loose at the goal line. The Cardinals have it. Akers coughs it up. And Arizona recovers. That's where it popped out. Buda Baker slapping that Rydell helmet right on the football. An important moment. 2-2 the count. The 2-2 delivery, curveball, and that's hit in the center field. On the move is Newt Bar, and he makes the play in left center field. And this crowd is loving it. Adam Wainwright, seven zeros on the board. The 2-1 pitch with two outs. A swing, and it's popped up. Short right field. Tommy Edmond goes out. He's under it. He makes the catch. It's a Wainer Redbird winner. 200 career victories for Adam Wainwright. Joining Bob Gibson and Jesse Haynes as 200 game winners in the Cardinal organization. Light up the night for Waino. And Wainwright has won back-to-back starts to gain 200 career wins. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 19th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KSLX HD2 100.7 and KSLX HD2 100.0 AM 1060 on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. That's it. I say it every day, like 100 times, but I got it wrong the first time today. We'll do better. Uh, but the, the headlines say the Browns, where they reach the postseason without Nick Chubb, 
The NFC South are the Saints, the best of the three two and zero teams. Clemson, Florida State, who wins on Saturday. Diamondbacks and Giants, who wins tonight at Chase Field. The Cardinals without Buda Baker, who is their best active player. Adam Wainwright is the now 200-game winner, a Hall of Famer. And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, our weekly fantasy football update with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Obviously, we'll cover the Nick Chubb injury from last night. Nick Chubb owners, you drafted him in the first or second round. What do you do now? Meanwhile, 9.30, interactive action, 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That will include a Diamondbacks and Giants series preview. Then the final seven of the sports zone will be the national roundup. Top by the NFL scoreboard action from now, last night, I should say, with the doubleheader last night. Now we go on to the pipeline. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we begin with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, will the Browns reach the postseason without the injured Nick Chubb? And Corey is here and has the early returns. All right, 100% on no so far on KDUS1060.com. I kind of anticipated that. Chubb, who I've said for several years running is the best pure running back in the NFL. Uh, according to Kevin Stefanski, uh, Chubb will miss the remainder of the season with a significant knee injury. I uh, keep checking uh, my text alerts and so forth. I've been saying official on that, but it seems uh, almost impossible that he's going to return this season. Meanwhile, the Saints held off the Panthers last night. The New Orleans offense has struggled through two games with the defense had not allowed a touchdown those first two games until the final two minutes last night in what turned out to be a 20-17 victory at Colorado. Are the Saints at, uh, at uh, Carolina, I should say, got Colorado and Dion in my brain apparently, are the Saints a th- are the, the best of the three zero and two teams uh, in the, uh, in the uh, NFC South? The only team that's not uh, two, uh, two and zero so far would be the Panthers. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who wins Saturday at Clemson, Clemson or Florida State? And, Corey, what do we have here? Florida State leading 80% so far. Clemson at 20% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Florida State is a small favorite to win in Death Valley. They have not won there their last seven trips. But they're a small favorite, at least right now, for this Saturday's game. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks and Giants begin as three uh, two-game series, a brief two-game series, kind of redundant, brief two-game series. Uh, tonight at Chase Field, the Diamondbacks enter the day as the number two National League wildcard team, while the Giants are two back in the loss column. Who wins tonight at Chase Field? Uh, Diamondbacks versus Giants, the pitching matchup scheduled to be Zach Gallon against Alex Cobb. Meanwhile, the Cardinals' best player was placed on injured reserve, Buda Baker injured his hamstring last week in practice. He missed the Sunday uh, loss to the, the Giants, and Baker will miss at least the uh, next four games on IR. With Buda Baker out, who's the Cardinals' best active player? 
Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe, Adam Wainwright reached a milestone last night. The Cardinals' right-hander, likely in his final season, collected his 200th career victory and uh, a rare highlight for the Cardinals' dismal season in St. Louis this year. If Adam Wainwright, uh, is he a Hall of Famer? I heard lots of talk about this last night, on uh, the uh, especially on the MLB channel. 200 wins, there's only five current pitchers that have actually reached the 200-win plateau. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's Pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's hopefully sensational one-hour radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the Pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060, or twitter.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by our weekly Fantasy football update, second consecutive Tuesday after a horrible injury on Monday night. Last week, of course, it was Aaron Rodgers. Last night, it was Nick Chubb. We'll get the latest, what should fantasy owners do, with uh, John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'd be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup, topped by a Diamondbacks and Giants series preview. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. The Doug Gottlieb Show, weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2. Your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. All right, time for our weekly fantasy football update. For a second consecutive week, a horrible injury on a Monday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports end by John McKechnie of rotowire.com. John, let's start with the Nick Chubb injury. We both love Chubb as a player. Uh, he seems like he's a tremendous human being also, and cer- certainly we're sad about his knee injury. But on the fantasy front, should Chubb owners just uh, go out and add Jerome Ford, who looked pretty good last night after the Chubb injury? Oh, yeah. I mean, totally crestfallen about, about the Chubb injury. He's, uh, yeah, my, my favorite player in the NFL, obviously, George Bulldog. And, um, you know, he had an awful knee injury at Tennessee uh, during his college days. And, and this, you know, the, the fact that a, something very, very similar happened to the same knee uh, last yeah. night is, is really uh, just kind of upsetting, uh, if nothing else. But, um, you know, as, as it comes to the fantasy world, as you know, we, we got to just keep pushing forward. Um, obviously, Jerome Ford, if he's available in leagues, becomes the priority ad this week. And um, what, what 
what Cleveland opts to do next, I think, is very interesting um, because they, they obviously have a relationship with, with uh, Kareem Hunt, who, who's been on the team for a couple of years, a free agent, uh, as we're talking right now. But I, I do wonder if uh, they're going to bring him in to at least work out and see if they can get something together. And then if uh, if you play in like a free agent budget league and you, know, you, you don't want to spend 50% of it on – uh, Jerome Ford, I do believe that Pierre Strong is something of an interesting speculative addition if you have room on your bench or an easy drop uh, to make because Pierre Strong comes over from the Patriots, didn't really get much in the way of traction uh, last season as a rookie, um, but you know he, he came into the league in the, out of South Dakota State, so, so not a big-name guy, but ran the fastest 40 of any running back at the Combine mm-hmm. in 2022. Had, had some impressive stuff. Uh, to his game, and, and uh, you know, if not for Ramondre Stevenson and, and Ezekiel Elliott, I, I felt like uh, you know there's a chance that he would have eventually carved out a role in New England. And now, uh, with, with Chubb being out of the equation for this season, and who knows how much longer um, in Cleveland, I think Strong gets a look. I don't think Cleveland would have made the move to, to get pick him up this summer if they didn't see uh, some form of potential. Uh, in Pierre Strong, so he's another guy to keep on the radar as kind of like a secondary addition for your waivers this week. Also last night, Tony Jones scored two touchdowns in the Saints win. Do we have interest in him, or do we just kind of pass because Alvin Kamara is expected to be back after the suspension? He'll be back in week four, at least that's what's scheduled right now. Right, so two touchdowns. That's nice. 12 carries for 34 yards. Less so. Um, so against Carolina, uh, no, no less. So I, uh, I'm i tempering my expectations on, on Tony Jones. Uh, I view him as like maybe a DFS-only type of guy. Uh, he might have some utility for this week, but this is not a, a long-term fix uh, for your roster, for your backfield, for your flex position, however uh, you want to approach it. But uh, averaging under three yards a carry against the 31st-ranked um, run defense, doesn't really scream to me like you, you need to run to the waiver wire to, to pick him up. It also looks like Kendrick Miller made the trip uh, this, this week out, out to Carolina, so he might be a little bit closer to action. We'll obviously have to pay attention to what, what's going on with Jamal Williams, but um, I, I feel like Kendrick Miller, um, if, if he continues to progress, he might be the guy this week, and Tony Jones is, is going to be one of those things where you know if you're prop betting, on Monday night, you lucked out. Um, but beyond that, I, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of uh, fantasy sticking uh, power with with, um, with Tony Jones. Okay, I was actually going to start this segment with the running backs even before last night's injuries, but obviously uh, you know, what happened last night with the injury and then Jones scoring two touchdowns uh, kind of uh, moved ahead of the list here a little bit. But Saquon Barkley's ankle injury because he suffered here against the uh, the Cardinals and the Giants' final drive. He's going to apparently going to be out a few weeks. Is Matt Breida a pickup? But the Giants, you know, they play at San Francisco on Thursday night. And University of Arizona alum Gary Brightwell got some snaps in that uh, second running back role on Sunday against the Cardinals. So is Breida a pass, or do we just take him and take our chances? This one is really tricky to figure out because, uh, you know, this is not an impressive depth chart behind Saquon Barkley. And, you know, obviously if you're the Giants, why would you invest a whole bunch in your backfield behind Saquon Barkley if you're paying Saquon Barkley what you're paying him? So 
it makes sense that it's it's not uh, a overly appealing group back there. Um, I do think that Matt Breida is the best of that bunch. I am lightly intrigued by rookie Eric Gray, though, out of Oklahoma by, by way um, of Tennessee. I thought he was really efficient his last year at, at Oklahoma, you know, 6.4 yards per carry, uh, caught three-fourths of his targets at, at a pretty decent uh, yards per target clip. Um, we'll see if, if he, you know, ends up being active. He might be a bit too much of a, of a deep cut um, to, to really be worth anything outside of, like, very, very deep formats. So if, if I'm handicapping this, this Giants backfield for the next couple of weeks, um, I am casting my lot with, with Matt Breida. Um, but I, I'm not overly confident that, you know, he ends up crushing or, or anything like that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, if Daniel Jones kind of takes some of that rushing work uh, on, yeah. on his own shoulders uh, while Barkley's out. John McKechnie of rotowire.com making his weekly appearance in the sports zone every Tuesday at this time. All right, so what other running backs uh, might be hot or you think should be uh, active on the waiver wire this week? Right, so, um, you know, again, uh, we were just talking about uh, the, the Giants' backfield and, and the Browns' backfield. Um, I think beyond that, maybe Zach Moss, if he's still kicking around um, with, mm-hmm. while Jonathan Taylor is still – um, on the shelf, uh, you know, Zach Moss gets 18 carries uh, last weekend. I, I feel like he's someone to, to keep an eye on. Tajay Spears is definitely seeing more work uh, than I had anticipated. Derrick Henry tends to be, you know, the, the end-all, be-all of, of that Tennessee um, backfield, and that it feels like they, they are giving him a bit of a break by way of uh, mixing Tajay Spears in there. And uh, Latavius Murray is someone who, you know, has basically assumed what what I envisioned to be the, the Damian Harris role, which is basically the, the idea that in Buffalo, James Cook can be a fine player between the 20s, but he's not going to get you the the, uh, the short yardage stuff, especially down near the goal line. So Latavius Murray could be that you know kind of classic guy who has a very, very subpar yards per carry mark, uh, not even maybe a ton of volume, but if he's falling down in the painted area uh, once a week, you know, that there's some value to that. So Latavius Murray is someone to keep an eye on. And then um, we'll have to keep an eye on the Dave Montgomery injury. He called himself week to week. Dan Campbell disagreed with his own uh, diagnosis and said, no, he's day to day. Um, but regardless, I, I feel like there's there's almost an overreaction from the, the fantasy community. It's like, okay, this is where Jameer Gibbs uh, gets completely unleashed. I don't see it happening that way. I feel like Jameer Gibbs is going to kind of have this frustrating pass-catching-first type of role this year for whatever reason. I can't quite figure it out myself. Um, but I feel like Craig Reynolds is someone to, to, um, to definitely yep. uh, throw a waiver-wire bid on this, this week. He's, he's not flashy, but he's a solid player. He can do the between-the-tackle stuff. He's you know 216 pounds, so he, he's got that you know kind of anchor ability that, that Gibbs uh, simply does not. So I feel like he's about to, to be in line to pick up some, some nice um, opportunities, some valuable opportunities in, in that line backfield once they get down uh, into the red zone. Okay, so the Rams. You know, Cam Akers is unhappy. What a stunner that is. He seems like he's always unhappy. Uh, he was inactive again, or not again, but well, going back to last year, I guess I could say again. Uh, he made a miraculous comeback from uh, basically going to get traded or whatever last year rumors is going to be traded again if you have cam Akers, what do you do 
Do you have Cam Akers? I think you have to hold on because I think the light is coming at the end of the tunnel as far as uh, his relationship with the Rams is concerned. I think that, you know, with all these injuries that, we, that we've been talking about in backfields across the league, Akers on a talent basis is probably at worst like a top 24, maybe top 20 uh, type of running back. And there's a lot of backfields that, that could use his services. And for whatever reason, uh, Sean McVay does not seem to care for the, the stylings of one Cam Akers. So it feels like he's going to be, you know, moved for probably not even that much at this stage if you're the Rams. But I think that he gets a fresh start somewhere else here in the, in the next week or so. And, and therefore, I feel like Cam Akers' uh, uh, managers – feel like you should try your best to hang on to him. I, I couldn't totally blame you if uh, if you had to make a cut um, and, and he was he was the, the obvious guy. If you have shallower benches, that, that type of thing, I definitely understand that. Um, but beyond that, when it comes to this Rams backfield, it does look like Kyron Williams is going to be the guy going forward. He has the, the good pass-catching ability, decent running ability, but not, nothing spectacular. A lot of the under-the-hood stats, that came out after Sunday kind of showed that he wasn't actually all that effective as a runner on Sunday. Just, you know, for fantasy purposes, he scored the touchdowns and, and therefore, you know, it, it's all well and good. Um, but do we really expect that going forward? Is he going to be a top 24 running back going forward? I'm not quite there yet, but I think at the very least, Kyron Williams is a very solid flex option um, here um, as we move on through this season. And I have some interest in rookie Zach Evans out of TCU. The five or five star, or Ole Miss, I guess, but initially TCU. But five star recruit coming out of high school, uh, good efficiency all throughout his, his uh, time at the collegiate level. I think on a t- pure talent basis alone, I think he is the best player in that Rams backfield. But you know that as we learned with Cam Akers, that doesn't always matter in Los Angeles. That would be very true. Okay, on to the wide receiver front. Any uh, buddy you're targeting to to you know, claim tonight, or you know, scoop, or you know, buy, or however you want to do that. Well, Josh Reynolds um, seems to be, um, you know, sticking in Detroit. Uh, he's he's not overly flashy or anything, but he's a very solid player. Um, I feel like he, he's someone that you know, opposite Amon Ross St. Brown, gives the Lions a, a bit of uh, a, a size weapon. Um, on the boundary, and you know, I, I continue to be skeptical about uh, how Jamison Williams is going to be is going to look once he is back from his suspension. And if Reynolds continues to do well enough, maybe he doesn't disappear from the offense just because Jamison Williams is back in the fold. So it, it's not a high ceiling type of move here, um, but I do feel like Josh Reynolds is someone that that is worth rostering across most formats. I can't imagine that Nico Collins is, is a free agent most places, but it, if he is, um, then, then he needs to be scooped. And then uh, Marvin Mims, uh, really, really, you know, kind of invisible in, in week one. Uh, but his two targets this past weekend add up to 113 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that seems yeah. pretty good to me. That seems pretty interesting. And you know what? Uh, with, with a Broncos receiving core that, that really has only Cortland Sutton uh, set and ready to go, I feel like Marvin Mims is going to see his role expand even as Jerry Judy uh, gets healthy and gets himself uh, back into the fold there. So I think a Sean Payton offense is, is able of supporting multiple wide receivers. We'll see if Russell Wilson is. Um, but but I do think that, that Marvin Mims is someone to, to take a, a, a stab at or throw a dart um, this week. 
I have him on my deep uh, you know, fantasy team. Seven receivers we carry in this league, though, but he's on that list. So hopefully he'll get uh, some run like uh, run and production like he did last week. All right, Drake London was a free, uh, frequent target against Green Bay. Is that going to be, I wouldn't say a regular thing, but more than what he was getting before? Right, obviously. So he was one of the big storylines coming out of week one with, with the just kind of invisible – uh, stat line, one target, no catches this week. Um, you know, the, the squeaky wheel got, got the grease. Seems like that might never happen for Kyle Pitts, but that, that obviously is a different discussion. We could fill probably an entire segment on that. But um, when it comes to Drake London, um, it's encouraging that, that the Falcons were willing to, to open things up a little bit more offensively this past week and trust Desmond Ritter to, to get the ball to his playmakers. And having Drake London catch the, the six out of seven targets, find the end zone, that's right in line with, with, uh, with what we can kind of expect uh, for, from Drake London. We're, we're not going to see him get the crazy volume just because this is a Falcons offense that simply doesn't want to throw it uh, 30 or more times in uh, most weeks. But the, what you have to remember is that Drake London has the biggest claim to whatever targets uh, there are available in that offense. He really clicked with Desmond Ritter towards the end of last season. So I think as the season progresses, that week one game is going to look more and more like, like a fluke, like a blip, uh, rather than something that we should have been concerned about because that, that's a guy who's a top 10 pick and deservedly so. Um, he's a different type of receiver. I mean, he, he's, there aren't too many players in the league uh, with, with his measurables that, that can do uh, what he can do. So I feel like wheels up for, for London here going forward. And a game in the Dome against Detroit coming up this week is a, is a nice way to continue that, that trend. Tank Dell, Jaden Reed, uh, how available might they be and should we try to get those guys? Um, both, both should be available. And I think if you're just doing your, your due diligence, doing your roster churn every week and, and clearing out some of the dead weight, I think you can, you can justify making room for, for either of those guys. The problem I have with Jaden Reed is that, you know, Green Bay has, has come into this year with a very banged-up receiving core, and it's going to get healthier. Christian Watson's going to get back in the fold. Romeo Dobbs is going to get healthier, hopefully. And so I, I feel like Jaden Reed made the most of his opportunity that, this past weekend, of course, but um, I, I stopped shy of, of him, like, necessarily being a lock to produce. Um, going forward once, once the rest of the Green Bay pass catchers are, are healthy, whereas Tank Dell, you know, chooses competition. Is, 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 how much do we think that Robert Woods is going to be standing in his way? Whoa. See if we can get John back. Corey, give him a shot back. Okay, we're all you know, going got a couple more things here, but, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, – you know, John, uh, you know, Tank Dell, he actually, I believe, he led the college football world in targets last year when he was at the University of Houston. And he was certainly frequently, uh, he was a you know, preseason star and caught a lot of attention. And he was certainly a frequent target. Uh, the many passes that, uh, you know, Houston has had to throw the first two games of the season because they've been chasing points pretty much every minute that they've played so far this year. So that may be a possibility. You know, Reed is take Reed's taking advantage of some of the uh, situations in Green Bay with some of their other injured receivers. All right, John's back, and uh, 
you know, let me really quickly, I want to ask you about Justin Fields. Um, I think it's, it looks like he's actually regressed. I know it's two weeks. Uh, should fantasy owners be looking to sell? And uh, if so, what would be a fair return for him? Uh, you know, it, it's tough to sell on, on a uh, you know, fourth-round pick in, in fantasy. And, you know, he, he obviously started slow last year before kind of finding his groove mostly as a rusher, um, you know, in, in the back half of the season and kind of became, you know, a fantasy MVP of sorts. I, I don't know if you can sell right now because the, the, the market is so low, the return that you could potentially yeah. get for him. Like, if, uh, if for instance, uh, someone needed a, a quarterback and was a little bit wealthy at, at receiver, like, they're probably not even going to give you Puka Nakua for, for yeah. Justin Fields at, at this stage. So that's how quickly stuff changes. But right now, I, I think um, Justin Fields managers uh, just hope that you had a, a, a steady backup that you can put into your lineup. You know, someone like a Matthew Stafford, a Kirk Cousins, uh, Daniel Jones even, someone like that, someone that went, you know, anywhere between six and eight rounds after Justin Fields, I, I feel like those are the guys you need to just kind of have your steadying presence here for another couple weeks. But right now, I do not feel comfortable rolling Justin Fields out there in my starting lineup, and, and that's, you know, full stop. It, it really does look pretty abysmal from him and the rest of the Chicago offense. Okay, last up, as far as the question goes, Sam, Ho- Sam Howell, is he a two-quarterback league guy now, at least? Absolutely. Um, he He's someone who I, I I think the longer that we go on, the more we'll be confused as to why he fell as far as he did uh, in his draft. He was a star for, from the time he was a freshman at North Carolina. Um, I know he's not the, the tallest guy in the world, but you know Baker Mayfield has, has made it work through Breeze. Not, not that I'm making that direct comparison, but you don't need to just be hung up on that. And you know I think Sam Howell being able to sit last year and, and kind of take in the NFL before – having to take over the, the offense himself uh, certainly has, has helped matters. He didn't get thrown into the fire as a rookie, has had some time to become a professional. And you have guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas in that in the uh, in the offense there. I like Sam Howell a lot. I've, I've felt that he was a top 24 quarterback for fantasy coming into this season, basically sight yeah. unseen uh, as a starter. And after two weeks, I don't, I don't see how you can see anything different. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I actually have him in that same deep league where we have three quarterbacks on our roster. So that uh, was a, you know one of my smart draft picks. Not all of them were smart, but that was a good pick, I think, at this point. All right, John, let everybody know how to uh, get a hold of your stuff and listen to you and other airwaves. Uh, so you can check me out uh, on Twitter over at John's underscore tailgate. Uh, usually just tweet about football, and uh, these days a lot about the Orioles as well but uh beyond that you can find me on, on the on the rotowire podcasting network so anywhere that you listen uh to your podcast rotowire is on there on the rotowire nfl podcast i, I do the the week the weekly fantasy preview show with, with our guy mario puig uh that's on thursdays yeah. and also we do an nfl specific uh betting article that's myself and, and uh nick whalen who's one of our prime uh media guys so we do that every thursday night um, as well. So Thursdays are busy for me. Uh, I talk a lot, but uh, you can check me out uh, on those podcast feeds. 
I remember that Mario Puig guy from somewhere in my past. Okay. Good stuff, John. As always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we won't be talking about an injury from Monday night to start the conversation. Yes. Knock, knock on wood there. Let's, let's get through week three clean, and uh, thanks again, Bob. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, as always, from John McKechnie from rotowire.com. All right. Next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion. Going to have to get in uh, rather quickly if you want to get in phone call-wise. But if you call right now, I will get to you. 602-260-1060. We'll get to some local roundup, including what might be a very brief Diamondbacks and Giants series preview. Uh, We'll wrap up the show and uh, our local programming this morning. And then uh, the uh, final segment of this hour will be the national roundup. And... uh, We'll see how much time I have left, and we'll get to a little of the football from last night, the doubleheader. And there's a doubleheader next Monday night, too, by the way. So, uh, you know, Buccaneers and Eagles, who would have imagined that those would be, uh, the Buccaneers would be 2-0 and zero at this point. And also the uh, winless Bengals against the uh, against the Rams. That's the doubleheader next Monday night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Sorry about my voice, but it's just kind of uh, a little more raspy than usual this morning. Uh, in addition, and I'm drinking tons of water here. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. That's, uh, if you want to get in right now, kind of hustle up those 602. 260-1060 if you want to get in general discussion. The Diamondbacks uh, had a well-deserved day off on Monday after played they played 17 consecutive days until yesterday. Uh, tonight, the Giants and Diamondbacks begin a two-game series at Chase Field. Uh, the 79-72 and 72 Diamondbacks, two games in the loss column ahead of the 76-74 and 74 Giants. But the Giants are uh, so far have won six of the uh, eleven meetings this uh, this year in the uh, in the series, uh, the uh, you know the season series I should say. They only got two more games. These are the last two games these teams play this year in the regular season. Uh, the scheduled pitching matchups the next two nights tonight: it's Zach Gallen, fifteen and eight with a three twenty earned run average against Alex Cobb, who is seven and six uh, with a three sixty two earned run average, and then tomorrow night. In fact, the four best pitchers on these staffs, uh, starters, are pitching these two games. Uh, Logan Webb, uh, who is 10 and 10-12 on the season with a 331 earned run average. He's got amongst the worst run support in Major League Baseball against uh, Merrill Kelly, who's 11-7 and 7 with a 345 earned run average. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks need to keep the ball in the park the next two games. Against the Giants, the Giants are 13, uh, 30, excuse me, 30 and 14 when they've hit at least one home run in the game this season. Also, the last 10 games, Diamondbacks 6 and 4. They only have a 224 batting average in those last 10 games, an earned run average of a relatively high 405. The Diamondbacks minus 12 runs in those games, but a couple of those. That, that run differential in a small sample, like 10 games, often skewed. Certainly is in this case because the Diamondbacks had a couple of uh, not pretty losses last week to the New York Mets. Meanwhile, the Giants are also 6-4 and four in their last 10, but they're hitting much better in these last 10 games. 
290 compared to the Diamondbacks 224 in their last 10. Earn run average also considerably better than the last 10 games in the Diamondbacks at 254 compared to the Diamondbacks 405. Uh, the hottest hitter for the Giants of late has been Lamont Wade Jr., who is 12 for his last 29 with a home run and four runs batted in over that 10-game span. Meanwhile, in case you missed it earlier in the uh, pipeline, the Diamondbacks, you know, I'm sorry, the uh, Cardinals announced, they're both Arizona teams, uh, the Cardinals announced that Buda Baker was placed on the injured reserve list with a hamstring injury. That means he's going to miss at least four games. Uh, the, uh, the Cardinals signed a couple of uh, defensive backs and, and uh, so forth and safeties to try to uh, – you know, at least to fill out the roster for now. We'll see how that works out. Quickly, back to the Major League Baseball scene. Uh, a little in a wild card from last night. The Reds continue their recent hot streak. Uh, rookie Connor Phillips pitched three-run ball, excuse me, three-hit ball, over seven innings last night for his first Major League win. Uh, Will Benson drove in three runs, and the Reds defeated the Twins last night 7-3 to in Cincinnati. The Reds have now won Five of their last seven games, and uh, they trailed Chicago by .0003, as far as the percentage points go, for the NL's final wild card berth. Uh, the Reds a half game behind uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, Miami dropped a half game behind the Reds when they lost two to one to the Mets last night. Uh, speaking a little bit, a little more about that game. Uh, the Mets continue to beat these wild card contenders. Obviously, they beat the Diamondbacks last week three out of four times, and they beat the Marlins last night. And as I mentioned, uh, the uh, Miami now half game, half game behind the Idle Cubs for third place in the wild card chase. There's only three wild card teams, remember. Last night, Miami lost because closer Tanner Scott, who has been tremendous of late, gave up a 10th inning home run. Uh, he had not allowed a run in his last 18 appearances, uh, going all the way back to July the 31st. But he uh, we took the loss last night. The Phillies, as we've said for a while, they're going to be the top one, uh, yeah, the top NL wild card. Uh, Kyle Schwarber hit a 483-foot home run last night at Atlanta, and uh, the Phillies defeated the uh, Braves seven to one. I don't think the Braves have won a game since they clinched the division. You know, they're already, they're, you know, they're kind of big. I don't know if they've actually, I don't think they've clinched the number one seed yet, but, you know, they're kind of staggering to the finish line here, but uh, I don't think it really matters. Uh, Philly is now a three and a half game lead over Arizona for the top wild card spot in the National League. Uh, tonight, it is Spencer Strider. Uh, you never know what you're going to get from Spencer Strider. He's 17 and five. I think he leads still the National League in strikeouts. I think he's maybe might be second behind Blake, Blake Snell now, but he's amongst the leaders in strikeouts. But with the 17 wins, he's had a couple of really bad starts, and he has a 3.73 or run average as a result. So kind of a unpredictable ace for the Braves. All right, coming up next, we'll have news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's tremendous radio program with the National Roundup. That'll include from the uh, scoreboard. We'll start with that. And uh, that will include uh, some uh, major uh, – actually, let's go right to the NFL from last night in this last segment. We're going to kind of condense this last segment a little bit. 
which I frequently have to do because I have a lot to say in this segment and we usually have an excellent guest in segment two of this hour. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. All right, we're going to go rapid fire here, shockingly. Sarcastic, totally intended there. Welcome back. Final segment of the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, whatever, slip through the cracks. Also, our guest today, our weekly Tuesday fantasy football update with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Hopefully, knock on wood or countertop, as I'm doing right now, uh, we don't have to start next Tuesday's discussion with John with a serious and big-time injury from Monday night because it's more now you know, two for two, unfortunately, with that, uh, with Aaron Rodgers last week and Nick Chubb last night. Wednesday, uh, by the way, at 9.15, we will preview Saturday's Ohio State and Notre Dame game. And then on Thursday at 9.15, we'll talk Pac-12 and preview uh, the first full week of conference play. There's some really interesting games this week. Hence, Roxy Bernstein scheduled to join us from Pac-12 Networks and ESPN and you know, many other outlets. And Roxy's like the busiest man in America. So uh, looking forward to talk to him on Thursday at 9.15. Sound of the day, courtesy of ABC, ESPN, Major League Baseball. KNBR, the flagship for the Giants in San Francisco. Also Fox and then KMOX with, the, among other things, the John Rudy call last night of Adam Wainwright's 200th career victory in St. Louis. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right, a little bit uh, from last night football-wise. Obviously, we've uh, talked a lot in this hour about Nick Chubb and, unfortunately, the, the horrible injury that he suffered last night in that game. Uh, Steeler linebackers uh, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith Pretty much stole the game last night because the Steelers' offense was awful for a second consecutive week. But two defensive touchdowns for the Steelers, and they uh, extended their regular season home winning streak against AFC North teams to 20. And uh, they came back and won that game last night over the Browns. And, uh, you know, obviously the Nick Chubb injury was the big thing. And I, I still haven't seen an official thing, but it, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski, after the game, said that he does not expect Chubb to play again this season, and uh, didn't even uh, they didn't even show the replay on ESPN. They did on NFL Network, however, and it was a gruesome-looking injury, unfortunately, for Mr. Chubb. Uh, Jerome Ford, who we talked about with uh, John McKechnie in the, the fantasy segment, did run for 106 yards, caught a three three-yard touchdown pass in that game, as the uh, Browns fell short. Deshaun Watson, who has been inaccurate, very inaccurate the first two games, 22 out of 40, <clears throat> excuse me, last night for 235 yards, 40 passing attempts for 235 yards. That's not a good ratio. Meanwhile, the Saints, uh, I don't think they were ever in danger of losing last night because Carolina is so inept on offense, but the Saints also inept on offense. But last night it was uh, Tony Jones Jr., uh, you know, got elevated from the practice squad. Then Jamal Williams got hurt, and Alvin Kamara is already suspended. So it was the Tony Jones show last night. He scored two touchdowns in that game. 
as the Saints, it turned out, held on to beat the Panthers 20-17. to uh, So the uh, Saints are now 2-0 and for the first time since 2013. I actually think they are the best of the three 2-0 and teams in the uh, AFC South at this point. And uh, join, you know, obviously the Buccaneers and the Falcons. All those teams are 2-0 and uh, after the first couple of weeks of the season. Bryce Young had a rough time. His offensive line is bad. I don't think his receivers are very good. He threw for 153 yards. Also made some questionable decisions as to whether to scramble, whether to you know throw the ball away, whether he uh, to take a sack. He did that a couple of times. So he's having a rough time. The first overall pick. He also got sacked four times in that game. Quickly from Major League Baseball last night, Cedric Mullins, a three-round homer. In the ninth inning as the Orioles beat the Astros 8-7, second straight day that the Orioles have had a ninth inning victory. They did the same thing, not the Mullins home run, but they did the same thing, a ninth inning victory against Tampa Bay on Sunday as they split that four-game series with the Rays. All right, that's it for the sports on for today. That's it for local programming and the morning time slots here for today. The Sports Zone with me. We'll return from 9 to 10 tomorrow morning. We'll talk Ohio State in Notre Dame, preview that game on Saturday. And then the extra point, of course, from 10 to noon, hosted by Kayla. That's tomorrow. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp today. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.